Take your Bibles tonight. Go to the book of Acts, please, in chapter 2. We'll return to our Sunday night series through the book of Acts. And we'll jump right in. It's already dark outside. I'm already mentally depressed. You know, i got to tell you, the first year I moved up here in 2001, I remember that first winter, it was getting dark at like 4.30. I did not like, I mean, I was just like in the doldrums for like two weeks. All right, we're wasting time and it's dark. Um, (laughs) Acts chapter 2, let's jump right in here. We'll read verses 1 through 13. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together, And were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Parthians, and Medes, and Elamites, and the dwellers in Mesopotamia, and in Judea, and Cappadocia, and Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, and Egypt, and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. They were all amazed, and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. Now I've covered already how I, I do not believe the day of Pentecost is the birth of the church. But in making that case, I don't ever want to give the impression that this is not an important day. This is an extremely important day in church history. I don't want to make light of it in any way. It's extremely important because, as we'll see later on in this chapter, what takes place is a fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. And it's important because of the profound impact that this day is going to have to those who were in Jerusalem at that time. And remember, this day was foretold of by Christ before He ascended. But we also consider the significance of this occurring as a result of the church being in one accord, being in one place. They were unified. And we don't want to miss that part of it. I know God had promised this day was going to come, but it's no mistake that the Bible says first that they were in one accord. There's something about a church body being unified. Great things happen when we're unified together according to God's Word. Last time we took note of the suddenness in which all of this took place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. The suddenness was a proof that this was all of God. This gracious move of God this day, it was not deserved. It was not drummed up. It was not manufactured in any way on their part, but this was an undeniable move of God among His people. And when God showed up, there was no room left for them. He filled the house where they were at. 
What does it look like to be baptized in the Holy Ghost? It's when there's no more of you. And God has so filled your life that that's all there's room for. I don't think they knew what the promise of the Father was going to look like. But when it happened, there was no denying that this was the fulfillment of them being baptized in the Holy Ghost. And so the emphasis last time was we need to be doing as God has commanded us, but we also have to always be at the ready, ready to receive a move from God such as this. Something where it is not anything we could have manufactured. A lot of churches try to do that. They, they drum up excitement. Brother Long had sent me a video recently of a, of a Pentecostal church down in the hills, amen? You must have seen it, Kaylee. I see you giggling and Riley. And for about 15 minutes, we just kept singing the same line over and over and over and over. I mean, it just went on and on and on, and it cut off before they ended and it started before. And eventually people were falling out all over the place. Well, no wonder you've been singing for 15 minutes straight nonstop. <laughs> all right, I'm, I'm going to get it wrong. Okay. The point is, we don't drum up we don't manufacture a move of the Holy Ghost. I tease a lot about taking a lap. I hope nobody literally does that. If you do, we'll let you run. But um, you're ultimately going to look crazy. But and I and I've been in churches where that happens, and it's part of the culture. It's hard to explain why it's more acceptable. But uh, I, I just encourage you not to be that one that takes off, Brother Chavez. Don't 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 just get up and, and run around. Anyway, I'm going to get in trouble here, but I'm just saying, when God moves, it is because He's just being good. Now, we have to do our part. We have to obey the Word of God. We have to do those things. But we can't just put a sign out in the yard that says, join us for revival. And that means we're going to have revival. We do that a lot in the Southeast. Every meeting is a revival meeting. And yet there's never revival. And where we've gotten is, I think, as Baptist, often tease about how being Baptist cramps my style. There's a lot of truth to that because we have allowed the Pentecostals to scare us from raising a hand. You know, the Bible says that's okay to do. From saying amen. You know, the Bible says that's okay to do. Well, we just don't want to come across as those, you know, wackos. I'd rather have life in the church than just... Well, I don't even know where I'm at here because none of that was... God only shows Himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are perfect with Him. Now, I want to be that next church where God moves supernaturally among His people. I want to see revival. I want Rapid City to be turned upside down for Christ. For that to happen, it has to start in our hearts. Brother Brock preached recently about how the paramedics don't go down the road seeking alive people to revive. What a funny picture, but I don't know if you need revival tonight. Let's consider verses 3 and 4 tonight. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance.
we see that when the Spirit of God rushed in, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. There was this appearance of cloven tongues. I'd just like to be a part of that meeting. It was like as a fire sitting or settling upon each of them. Cloven means to partition or to divide or part. You've likely most often heard that word in relation to animals. There are animals which have a cloven hoof. There is a divide or a split. Cloven is the same Greek word for when the Roman soldiers parted Jesus' garments. It's the same word for when Jesus said, take this cup and divide it among you. The sense may be that these tongues were like a forked tongue being divided down the center, but I don't think so personally. I think the sense is probably that there were various whole tongues divided among them all to enable all those presents to speak in these different languages that are mentioned in the verses we read. That's what I believe it probably means. Some had a tongue that enabled them to speak in this language, some in, this, in that language. I believe there is great significance here in the symbolism of the fire. To begin with, God often appears in the Bible with fire. We know how our God is a consuming fire. God made a covenant with Abram in Genesis 15 and to solidify that, when the darkness came, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp were walking between the pieces. When Moses was on the backside of the desert, it was God who spoke out of the midst of a burning bush. The Lord descended upon Mount Sinai in fire. Ezekiel saw a throne come out of the north. The man on the throne had the appearance of fire all about him. Fire is a purifier. God is like a refiner's fire. God wants to consume all of us, all of our dross. So there is only Him left in our life. God wants to refine us through the fire so that we can come forth as pure gold. Fire purges, and we need to be purified. Consider Isaiah's testimony in Isaiah 6, 1-8. through In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, 
which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. We need to have our lips purified by God's fire. I believe we can make this connection to the day of Pentecost. These cloven tongues of fire purifying them for the word they were about to speak. 2 Samuel 22, verses 7 through 9. David said, In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried to my God, and He did hear my voice out of His temple, and my cry did enter into His ears. Then the earth shook and trembled, and the foundations of heaven moved and shook because He was wroth. There went up a smoke out of His nostrils, and fire out of His mouth devoured. Coals were kindled by it. You can also read that in Psalm 18. God wants us like Him. Just as fire proceeds out of God's mouth, so the fire of His Word, it ought to proceed out of our mouth. Listen to what God said to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1.9. Then the Lord put forth His hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. Jeremiah 5.14 Because ye speak this word, behold, I will make my words in thy mouth fire. And this people would, and it shall devour them. Jeremiah 23.29 Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh a rock in pieces? Now as I got to thinking about the day of Pentecost and this message tonight, I was amazed that God, out of all the ways He could have chosen to make His Word known to men, lost men, out of all the ways He could have had the lost sinners convinced of their need of a Savior, convinced that they are sinners, that He would choose His spoken Word. God's spoken Word is the means by which Jesus goes forth conquering and to conquer. Please do not think I am discounting the written word tonight. But the written word is more for the saved than it is for the lost. It is a spiritual book that is spiritually discerned and only those with the Spirit will be able to rightly divide it. Not that it cannot save, I'm not saying that. But it's just like church is more for the redeemed than it is for the lost. That's a fact. Therefore, God... Get this now, God intends for His people to speak up, to speak forth the Word of God. He wants us reaching the lost. He has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. There's a reason we say we need preachers who who are on fire for God. But a better way to say that, I believe, would be we need preachers who are on fire by God. By preachers, I mean all of us. Jeremiah 28 through 9, For since I spake, I, I cried out, I cried violence and spoil, because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me in a derision daily. Jeremiah has hit his breaking point as a prophet. And Jeremiah says, Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. 
Even the great prophet Jeremiah had finally had enough. But what does he say next? But his word was in my heart as a burning fire. Shut up in my bones and I was weary with forbearing and I could not stay. To those of you wrestling a call, you'll know. Because it'll be like a fire burning within you. To all of us, when your lips have been touched by a coal from God's fire, God will then put His Word into your mouth. His Word is like a fire, and once it begins to burn within us, we can't help but preach what God has put on our heart. You may have experienced this as you witness to people. You may have experienced it this way, uh, an opportunity passed you by. And you just couldn't let that thing go. And it began to burn inside of you that you should have said something. Have you been there? And then you seek for an opportunity to get that message out. You can't help it. It is the Word of God which burns in our hearts as it is spoken to us. The two on the way back to Emmaus from Jerusalem, they they said, did not our heart burn within us? while He talked with us by the way, and while He opened to us the Scriptures. It was the Word of God spoken by Jesus Christ to them that caused their hearts to burn. And these on the day of Pentecost, they needed purified tongues to be effective. And so we need purified tongues to be effective. We we need to be touched by the fire from off of God's altar. We we need the Word of God burned into us. And then we need to speak up and proclaim God's Word boldly and let it loose like a fire. And let it do what it does. Psalm 39, 1-3, David said, I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. I was dumb with silence. I held my peace even from good, and my sorrow was stirred. My heart was hot within me. While I was musing, the fire burned. Then spake I with my tongue. And may we be a people that are so on fire for God that His Word has burned in us, and we can't help but open our mouth and proclaim His Word to the lost. What we find here on the day of Pentecost is a fulfillment of John the Baptist three and a half years earlier while on the banks of the Jordan River. In Matthew 3.11, He said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. This is a church in action. This is what we're talking about from the book of Acts. What does it look like for Liberty Baptist Tabernacle to be in action? This is a church that is in action. It has been baptized by the Holy Ghost. God has crowded and burned them out. It's a church on fire for God. It's a church that can reach the city of Jerusalem here because Christ, His Word... It melts the hearts of men. 
It is that hammer that breaks the stony heart. We see in verse 4, while being filled with the Holy Ghost, they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I covered what utterance means when we were in Ephesians chapter 6 last year. But let me mention it again. I want us to understand the impact of this word, and so I borrowed some notes from that message. To utter means to articulate and enunciate out loud. To utter is complete and it's absolute. This is why the Bible says the gospel must be preached unto the uttermost. That the the gospel can save to the uttermost. To utter is a very clearly heard, articulate, and absolute way of speaking out loud. The suffix A-N-C-E, when it is added to a word, it is used to describe quality, such as the word brilliance. So when when A-N-C-E is added to utter, we get utterance, and therefore it means speaking out loud with quality. It is effectively communicating orally. And this is what the Apostle Paul's prayer was for his life. Remember that in Ephesians 6.19, he was saying, and pray for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Colossians 4, 3 and 4, with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which also I am in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Paul's desire was for an opportunity to have freedom to preach the gospel clearly to others. That in his speech, he would make the mystery of Christ manifest or clearly known. He desired the words to be given unto him that would make what he had to say worth listening to. Many can say something, but not all have something to say. Many can't help saying something, but not all are saying something that can help. Paul wanted to have an impact upon the listener. 1 Corinthians 2, 1-5 through And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And in this we see the kind of utterance we're talking about here. It needs to come through the power of the Holy Ghost. When our utterance is Spirit-led, then our words will not rest in the wisdom of men, but it will be because of the power of God. And this is critical because we do not want men to place their faith in us. We want people to have faith in God through Christ. We're not looking to establish some earthly cult where all that matters is what some deranged leader says to his people. But we're looking to be a body of believers established by the very Word of God. And therefore, we must have the Spirit of God upon us. And here on the day of Pentecost, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so it is the Holy Spirit which enables us to communicate 
effectively. But don't misunderstand what I'm saying. This is not to suggest that we're using $10 words to try to impress our people, our friends, our coworkers. Our... We're not trying to use $10 words to impress people, but to communicate effectively. By the way, it doesn't mean that we're never going to stutter. It doesn't mean that we're ever going to say, uh. <laughs> to communicate effectively, it doesn't even mean we have all the answers. But it means we will clearly preach Christ. When our Lord called the Apostle Paul to preach, Paul is relaying his calling to King Agrippa. And in Acts 26.18, this is what he says that the Lord told him. That his life was going to be to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, and from, power, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins, an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. And so for Paul to accomplish that, he was going to need utterance. He would need the Spirit to speak through him. He would need wisdom to speak in such a way that the gospel would be clearly understood. He would need to be able to communicate God's Word effectively. I believe yesterday morning God gave Tim Wells utterance. If you were at men's prayer able to take an everyday sports scenario and apply that to the Word of God and communicate God's Word effectively. Amen. Utterance. Amen. And, and I hope this is your prayer for your life. And, and we, need to, we need to be praying for each other that we'll be very effective in communicating the gospel of Christ to a lost and dying world who will otherwise spend an eternity in the devil's hell forever separated from God. But how shall they hear if we don't tell them? How many lost do you know are picking up the Word of God and just reading it on their own? I can't even get church members to read their Bible. And so what we find in this chapter, we are going to find as we go, by being Spirit-filled, by having purified tongues, they were then able to effectively communicate the Word of God to those this day in Jerusalem. We'll see as this chapter unfolds how suddenly they were wielding the Word of God like never before. And this spoken Word was going to go forth like a fire. Look at verse 12 for just a second. And they were all amazed. They were all amazed. Verse 7, they were all amazed. They marveled. And then drop down to verse 37 for just a second. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? You see, it was the spoken word that went forth like a fire and it melted their hearts. And because of the utterance, the effective communication that the Spirit of God gave them at the end of Peter's message, there's a group of thousands of people saying, what must we do? They realized under Holy Ghost conviction that they were in a desperate condition. That they needed Christ. 
But so many times in our witnessing, all we ever do is convince people, you need to be in church. You know, you really need to clean that up. God is saying, look, you need utterance. You need to speak with power. You need to point people to Christ. Peter explains to them, y'all need to repent. My words. All y'all need to repent, amen. You need your sins remitted. And then you need to be baptized. What we find in this chapter is the power of the spoken word when it is brought forth with power from the Holy Ghost. Please listen to me. The world does not need our opinions. I can give you political opinion after political opinion. The world doesn't need that. They need the Word of God. Therefore, when you are witnessing, you need to give the Word of God as much as you possibly can. You say, quote the Word of God? Yeah. You need to fall in love with God's Word to the point that you're studying it for yourself, memorizing it, so that you can be armed, so you can be ready, and you can give that Word of God to a needy person. We must have the Word of God ready at all times. Isaiah 55, 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. John 6.63, it is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, they are life. Romans 10.13-17 For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. 1 Peter 1, 23-25, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower fadeth, uh, falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. It is God's word which is powerful, not our own words. We are seeing in our Sunday morning series through Genesis, currently God's word is so powerful He can speak creation into existence. We must be faithful to give the word of God because it is by the word of God which our lives will be judged. When he comes again, he will but speak, and his enemies will fall before him. Out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. Revelation 19.21, And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceedeth out of his mouth. Never underestimate the power of the word of God. I've heard testimonies of pastors who were counseling, and 
not getting through to anybody. And so he just started quoting the Word of God. Verse after verse after verse after verse. Little by little, it began to break that girl down. She began to well up with tears. And what he could not do, in his own opinions, God could do through the power of his word. Don't underestimate the power of God's word. Therefore, don't stop giving the word of God. You say, I already did and nothing's happened yet. I would tell you, I would encourage you, keep giving the word of God. Over and over again. Write another letter. Write another card. Lace it with the word of God. My opinions can't change anyone's views. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. What we need in Liberty Baptist Tabernacle is people that are so full of the Holy Ghost that they can effectively speak the Word of God as the Spirit gives them utterance. This is a church in action. Are we going to be this kind of church? Let me ask you as I close, are you uttering the Word of God with the Spirit's help? Are you effectively communicating God's Word to the lost? If not, you need to go before God. You need to ask Him to take a coal from off the fire of His altar and touch your lips so that you would be a vessel that could be filled with the words of God. We all need the Holy Ghost to fill us. Let's pray.